All right, Jehoshai, good morning. Let us begin. Let's thank our sponsors for this morning. Shira Tamatora sponsors for the month of Shvat. Mrs. Bracha Strimber, in memory of her husband, Avi Strimber, Avram Ben Kamen, Eliezer Halevi. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, then Shamo Havan Aliyah, and the family, Ein Nechama. To thank Avi Tobias for dedicating all the Shirim and Trashos this month in honor of the Shir and the Ribbono Shalom's incredible Torah. To thank our Day of Learning sponsor, Mrs. Pearl Katz, in honor of the Shir, in honor of the Kehila, and as it is Chus for the Aliyah's Neshama, for Zev Ben Yosef, Zichron Levracha. Incredible, actually, Mrs. Katz's father, who was deaf all of his life and couldn't learn, but lived life to its fullest. Truly beautiful. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama have an Aliyah and a family in Nechama. It was with that, let us begin. So today's daf is daf Hey, We actually have a very beautiful daf ahead of us today. We are picking up on Dalit Amud Bey's 4B. We left off at the two das. Um, well, not the second last two das. It's uh, two, four, six, eight lines are from the bottom. Umitakin es hamikukalos. So let's remember again, the Mishnah said that you can go ahead and fix Bipashtos, what this sounds like is, if you have a channel of water, if you have a channel of water that got messed up, right? Let's say again, debris fell into it, so you can go ahead and you can go ahead and fix the channel of water. So it says, what does that mean? What it means is that, so I was about to say, if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, so we'll say it appears that in general, when creating a channel of water, I'm sorry, when creating a channel of water, so the optimal depth would be six tefachim. So let's say, right, so you have six, so you have a, 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 a channel that's six tefachim deep. Let's say now debris fell into the channel to the point that now the channel is only one tefach deep. So you have five tefachim worth of debris. So the Gemara's what does it mean? So I'm Rabbi Abba says Shem Haisa Muka Tefach Ma'amida Shishat Tefachim. So Rabbi says when the Mishnah says that Metaknin Esam Lekulkelas, that means that if it was originally six Tefachim and now debris fell into it and now there's only one Tefach of open area, you can dig out five Tefachim of space from the channel. So the Gemara says Pshita Chatsi Tefach Al Shlosha Tefachim. So Rabbi goes without saying that Allah says if you have a channel. And now let's say it's only a half a tefach of open space. And you want to dig out three tefachim. So we'll say, so obviously, now that I do that in Chalamayi, why can't you do that in Chalamayi? Because we'll say, digging out a channel to a depth of three tefachim does what? Does what? Nothing. And therefore, ultimately, again, it's just going to be unnecessary. Tefachayim ashnei masar. To go from a channel that's two tefachim. And dig it out to a depth of twelve tefachim. The katarach tircha yisera lo. Ultimately, you're say that's going to be too much effort, right? Because you don't need a channel that's twelve tefachim deep. Listen to this case. Tefachayim al shiva mahu. say what happens if you have a channel that's two tefachim deep, and now you want to dig it to a depth of seven tefachim? Then I say now what's the shaila? Listen to this. Now remember, we just said before, what's the ideal depth for a channel? What's the ideal depth? Six tefachim. So now you have two tefachim of open space. You want to dig out to seven. So is that permitted? 
on one hand, what did we say before? I will say, remember again, the Mishnah opened, the Gemara opened up with the case of where you had an original six tefach channel that then accumulated five tefachim of debris. So what did the Mishnah say? You're allowed to dig it out. You're allowed to dig it out. So you could dig out, you could dig out five tefachim. So I'll say, so do we say that just like in that case, you could dig out five tefachim, so too if there's two tefachim of open space, you can go ahead and dig out another five, make a channel of six tefachim of depth. Odilma. Or do we say, no, no, no. Five is not a magic number. It's just getting to six is permitted. But once you're digging to seven, that's considered to be an extra tefach of tircha yisir, and therefore it's prohibited. Teku. To which the Gemara leaves this as an open question. Okay, so I will say, so what we know with absolute certainty is that if you had a channel that already existed and then it got filled in with debris, you are allowed to dig out that channel to a depth of six tefachim. That's what we know. Anything more than that, meaning if you were to go ahead and have two, two tefachim of open space and now want to dig it out to seven, that's going to be a shaila. Good. Abai Rebos has some interesting cases. So Abai Shara Libnei Barhamdach L'Shachufei Nara. So Abai permitted the people of Barhamdach Rashi says, Rashi, He allowed them to go ahead and remove branches which were growing into the river. And they were, they were obviously all these cases we're going to see are blocking water sources. That's what's happening over here. So he allowed them to go ahead and clear out debris to go ahead and get, get branches out of the river source. So they must Sakusa. The Michra Nara Timimo. So Rabbi Yirmiya allowed the people of Bnei Sakusa, rather than the Michra Nara Timimo, Rashi says, so the Fanos Mikra Mayashinistam, to clear out, to clear out the uh, a spring that had become blocked up. Rav Ashi Shari Luhu Lebnei Masa Machasya Laakduche Nar Burnitz. Rav Ashi allowed the people of Masa Machasya Laakduche, Rashi says, the Fanos Sirton Shebeem Sanar, a sandbank had accumulated in the middle of the river, he permitted them to dredge the river to allow the water to flow. So the Gemara says, why is that? Amar came on the Shasumini Rabim, Kirabim Dami. Because we're saying all of these cases, these were situations where the water source served the needs of the public. And what do we learn in the Mishnah? Tanan, Osin Rabim. And the said, what do we learn in the Mishnah? In the Mishnah, we saw that anything that is necessary for public needs one is permitted to do. So I'll say, so these are all just examples, again, of dredging up, or I should say, you know, unblocking water sources, which will all be permitted. Good. Let's go back to So I'll say, top of hay. Top of hay. What else are you allowed to do? You're permitted to go ahead. Right? You're permitted to go ahead and clear out public water cisterns. Right? That again, all of these cases are where these sources of water are getting blocked up. So one is permitted to go ahead and clear it out on, on Chalamaid. So the Gemara says, interestingly enough, so the, the Lashon is very specific. The Lashon over here is Mitaknin Kilkuli Hamayim, which tells me that if I have a water cistern, right, the water cistern, which serves the needs of the public, and then what happens? That water source gets blocked up. I am permitted to go ahead and unblock that on Chalamaid. So the Imam makes an interesting deal. Chatita in Chafiralo. What do you allow to do, Rabosai? You could clear it out. What can't you do? Dig a new one. Dig a new one. So in other words, 
on Cholamayit, I could take a water source that already exists, that got blocked up, that serves the needs of the public, and I could unclog it. But I can't dig something new. When can't you dig a new water source? That's only if the public doesn't need it. But if the public does need the water source, then even digging a new water source will be permitted. So it's a very interesting halacha. Is that true? That if the rabbin need a water source, you're allowed to dig a new one on Chalamayid? Vatanya, we learn, you're permitted to clear out boros, sichin, umaoros, pits, water cisterns, caves, pools, right? These are water sources of an individual. And Abosai goes without saying that if you could clear out the water sources belonging to an individual, you could, of course, do so for the rabbin as well. However, but you cannot go ahead and dig. Dig Rabose means what? To dig something new. To dig a new bar, a new siach, a new ma'ari. You can't dig a new pit, a new water cistern, or a new cave, even for the rabbim. And all the more so, you can't dig a new water source for a yachid. So what's going on over here? My love, Shabbosai, isn't the Gemara saying over here that you cannot dig a new water source for the, for the Anchalamite, for the rabbin, even if the rabbin need it? To which the Gemara says, No, 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 what is it talking about? When can't you dig a new water source, Shabbosai, for the rabbin? When it's not necessary. When it's not necessary. Then I will say, so remember again, what the Gemara is saying is like this. If the rabbim don't need it, if the rabbim don't need it, you can't dig it. You can't dig it. So so by the similar case, by a yachid that doesn't need a water source, then would even clearing it out be permitted? We learned, If you have boros, again, pits, cisterns, caves, that belong to an individual. You could go ahead and gather water into these areas. However, but you cannot go ahead and dig them out. In other words, if they accumulated debris, you cannot clean them out. If they became cracked, you cannot go ahead and plaster the cracks. However, again, water sources that belong to the public, you can clear them out of debris. Vishafen asid kehen, and you could go ahead and smooth out, literally again, close up their cracks. And if it's cracked, you could plaster it. Ve'ela, my shebi yachid sarach lahem. And Rabbi now aren't we talking about over here, in the case where the individual needs it, dikavase gabe rapim, and yet a similar case by the rabbin, where the rabbin needs the water, and what do you see? Right? It appears that Khafira will be Asr, but Khafira mi Asr, but with digging a new water source where the rabbin needs it be Asr, Vatanya we learned, Boros Sikhin Uma Oros Shayachid, if you have Boros Sikhin Uma Oros that belong to the individual, Konsan Mayim Lusokhan, you could channel water into it, Bechotitin Osan, you could clear them out of debris. You cannot go ahead and plaster the cracks. You cannot go ahead and clear out debris. You cannot go ahead and smooth it out or coat it with plaster. But if the water source belongs to the rabbim, first of all, you could dig it. 
you could create a new one. Besadun osa besed. If it's an older one, you could plaster it. Shabbos say. So what's going on over here? Elakasha hach kamaisa. Shabbos say. Now we're totally confused, right? We're totally confused. So here, the, the, pretty much the only thing I know, the only thing I know, is that if it's a rab, if it belongs to the rabbin and it gets clogged with debris, I can clean it out. That's that's what I know. What what I don't know is anything else. Now, Shabbos now specifically, what we're really focused on over here is as follows. What we're really focused on is. Can you dig a new water source for the rabbin? And I will say that that shayla has two parts to it. If they need it, and if they don't need it. Is that permitted on Chalamayid? To which the Gemara says, okay, here we go. Taritachi. I will say here is the final, here is the final understanding. Chotetin boros shalyachid. You can clean out debris from the water cisterns, from the water sources belonging to an individual when... B'shiyachid tzarech lahem. So I will say, halacha lemaisa. And we're going to see this in the Shukhul in just a moment. Halacha lemaisa. If you have a water source that belongs to an individual, you are permitted to clean that out with, from debris on chalamaid, on chalamaid, assuming that what? The individual needs it. Individual needs it. Ve'en tzarech lomar b'shal rabim, kishir rabim tzichalem. I will say, it goes without saying, that the same halacha applies to a water source which belongs to the rabim, to the collective, Right? To the rabbin, to the public. So I'll say that, now, meaning what? That if a water source belonging to the rabbin becomes clogged, you could go ahead and clean that out from debris on chalamayit. Furthermore, da'afilu chafira mutter. Further, because for the rabbin, Rabbi you could even dig a new water source if you need to. So if you could dig a new water source, then al-achas kama v'kama, all the more. So what? You could clean out debris. Now one second. When can you when can you dig a new water source for the rabbin? Right? I'm sorry, but you cannot dig a new water source for the rabbin. When the public doesn't need it. And all the more so again for an individual. For when an individual doesn't need it. Afilu chatita nami aser. Even cleaning it out will be aser. Okay, I will say. Says bring it together with the Gemara just said. It's interesting having. I don't know. It's a strange way of phrasing it. it goes from the positive to the negative. I will say, but here, but now, but now we have greater clarity. Let's first start with the yachid, and then we'll go to the rabbin. Yachid, yachid. Can you dig a new water source? Never. Right. No hazard to dig a new water source. What can you do? You can unclog an already dug water source, assuming that what? The yachid needs it. Right? If the yachid needs it, you can unclog it. If the yachid doesn't need it, you can't unclog it. Rabin. So again, you could unclog, you could unclog an already dug water source, right? That's clear. But not only that, you could even dig a new water source for the rabin if what? If they need it. Good. Some Ravashi says, Masnisa Nami Deka. The Mishnah seems to support this view as well. Diktani. Osin called Sarchi Rabin. The Mishnah Bose said, said a statement. The statement was, you could take care of any of the needs of the Rabin. So the Gemara, and it says, it doesn't say, you know, it says, called Sarchi. And the say, call is coming to include something. Call la asuye mai. What is call coming to include? Lav la asuye chafira. It's coming to include even digging a new water source. That if the Rabin need a new water source, halach halamaisa, you can dig that on Chalamaid. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. Lo, la asri, had this time, maybe it's going to include something else. Yotzin le kaveit hadrochim, ule takin harachobos, vise it's terachos. 
So we'll say, so again, here the Mishnah talk, the Gibraltar says as follows. Perhaps when it says that, so we'll say, okay, so the Gemara wanted to suggest that the Mishnah, the Mishnah supports our, our position. The Mishnah says that you're permitted to go out in Chalam, right, to take care of Kol Tzorchei Rabin, all the needs of the public. So the Gemara says, I, what does Kol Tzorchei Rabin mean? It means to include a case where Halacha Lameisa, whether the Rabin needs an already existing water source dug out, cleaned out, you could do that, or if it needs a new water source, you could do that as well. To which the Gemara says, maybe not. Maybe some actually coming to teach me a different halacha. What's a different halacha? Disanyo, yotz in the kaveitz, es hadrachim, which was an interesting case. You can go out on chalamaid to cut thorns, to, to, to cut back thorn bushes on public thoroughfares, right? Drachim on public pathways. Ulo takinas harachobos. You can go out on chalamaid to fix the roads. Ve'es ha'itz to fix the marketplaces. Ve'lamod es ha'mikvos, and to measure the mikvos, to make sure they have the requisite amount of water. In any mikvah that doesn't have the requisite amount of water of 40 sa'ah, what's ta'locha? Margilin l'socha arba'im sa'ah. You make sure, you fill it up. You fill it up. And how do you know that if, they, that if the Beisdin did not send out people to take care of these things, even on Chalamaid, and how do you know if there's any bloodshed? Now both say now it's interesting, it's a strong lotion. Why why would there be why would there be bloodshed? Ultimately again, if if they don't trim back the thorns, take care of the roads or do the mikvos, so both say it's not like bloodshed like somebody dying. As I just mentioned, it's like bloodshed literally again from thorns. Right, so in other words, that if somebody walks on the road and gets cut by the thorns, Basin is responsible for that because they are responsible to make sure that the roads are kept up in a normal way. So the Gemara says, Tamulomar v'haya alecha damim. Pasik says, ultimately, again, the blood will be on your hands or will be upon you. To which the Gemara says, the Gemara wants to suggest that when the Mishnah says that we take care of kultzarche rabim, Maybe it's coming to include this list of items, cutting back the thorns, making sure the roads are okay, taking care of the mikvos. That's what it means to say. But maybe it's not referring to digging new water cisterns on Chalamaid, to which the Gemara says, no, no, no. This list is explicitly mentioned in the Mishnah. So we explicitly said this in the Mishnah. Basin is responsible for making sure that the pathways are cleared out from thorns, that the roads are usable, that the mikvahos are up to code. And then it says the phrase, we take care of all of the needs of the rabbin. To which the Gemara says, what does that come to include? My love, la'asui chafira. Doesn't that come to include even the digging of new water cisterns? Shmamina. So therefore, the Gemara says the phrase of doesn't have to include taking care of the roads and the mikvos because those are explicitly stated in the Mishnah itself. Therefore, the Mishnah says the phrase that ultimately we take care of must be there to do what? means that if the public needs a new water cistern, we're permitted to dig that on Chalamayir as well. Sefer Abosai, and this is indeed how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, Shulchan Aruch says, this is in Simen Tov Kof Mem Dalit Sif Beis. So the Shulchan Aruch says as follows, 
Boros umayono shorab mshenafa bohem afar vavanim minis kalkulu mutro taknam vafilu in rabim sikhalam ata kevan shenam isuram. Let's listen to this. If you have already existing water cisterns that become plugged up with debris on chalamaid, you're allowed to clean it out on chalamaid. Now, we'll say, look at the Shulmanach says. This is true even if the rabbin doesn't need those particular cisterns. So it's interesting. Let's say there's plenty of other cisterns, right? So I don't need these that are clogged up. Now, you're still allowed to unclog the water cisterns for the rabbin, right? For the rabbin, you can unclog it even if it's not necessary. Avol, lach por lahem boros mechadosh, uman, but I will say to go ahead and dig new water cisterns, which is specialized malacha, that's permitted only when so I'll say that's only permitted if if it's needed, right? If it's needed. So I'll say you could unclog any water cistern belonging to the rabbin, even if the rabbin doesn't need it right now, but to dig new water cisterns is permitted, provided that the rabbin need it. However, what about individual cisterns can never dig new cisterns on Chalamaid. Right? Even if you need new cisterns, can't dig new cisterns. However, if you have old cisterns and they become filled with debris, what's the halacha? If you need it, you can clean it out. So we'll say pretty much exactly as we just saw in the Gemara is how it is codified halacha Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, the Gemara, so now remember, for the Yachid, if you need the cistern, you can clean it out. If you don't need the cistern, you can't clean it out. Under no circumstances can you can you dig a new cistern. The Shulchan does say something very interesting. He says what you can do is, even if you don't need this cistern right now, you could channel additional water into the cistern. That's permitted. Apparently, again, the act of channeling right new water into the cistern isn't considered to be such a big deal, and therefore, one is permitted to do so even if technically they don't need it. Okay, interesting. But say good. That brings that sugit to a close. So says the Gemara. Next piece in the Mishnah was we mark graves. We can mark graves on Chalamayid. So say, let's, let's analyze this. This is really quite fascinating. So Rabbi says, so obviously the sort of marking graves, the sort of marking graves is why, so that people should know that someone's buried here, that there's a source of tumah, and that people should be careful. So it says, you know, very interesting. We'll say, from where do we know that we're supposed to mark graves? Like, where is there a remez? Where is there a scriptural allusion to the concept of marking graves? Says the Gemara, Satam Lomar, Vera'a, Etsem Adam, Ubana, Etslot Siun. So what says the Gemara, very quotes in the Pasek. Quotes from the Pasek from Yecheskel, right? And the Pasek says something very interesting. The Pasek says, um, You will see the bone of a person and you will build a Siun. You will build a monument by it. So here the Navi says, When you see a bone, when you see human remains, you should build some type of you should build, go, you should, if you look at Rashi, by the way, the Chsivara, it's actually quite fascinating. Quite fascinating. So first of all, take a look at the previous Rashi. Mitzayin es ha-kvaros, she'osin simanim al-ha-kvaros besid. Also what they would often do is, they would paint the area over a grave with plaster. Their plaster was very white, 
like luminescently white, right? and therefore that would serve as a marker. As, a, as, as we tell people that there's someone buried and they should be careful. So interesting enough, So let's listen to this. This Pesach is a reference to the war of Gog and Magog, right? the ultimate war between good and evil before the arrival of Mashiach. And the Nabi here is describing that Eretz Yisrael is going to be littered with corpses. And as a result, Yechezkel says, wherever you see human remains, make sure to mark it. Make sure to mark it. So listen to this. So Ravashi, okay. And before Yechezkel, how did we know to do this? There's a significant amount of Jewish history right before Yechezkel as well. So how did we know about the concept of creating, of creating a tzion? Right, some type of marker on top of graves before Yechezkel, to which the Gemara says, There's another halacha that we didn't learn from the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. Instead, we learned it from the Torah of Yechezkel. What did Yechezkel teach us? But also the Pasik says that a Kohen who is not circumcised, right? A Kohen who doesn't have a bris milah cannot serve in the base of Mikdash. So tell me, man Amar. So before Yecheskel came along, it's not so it's not like Yecheskel introduced this new halacha that an uncircumcised Kohen can't do the Avoda. Before Yecheskel, how did we know it? To which the Gemara says, Ella Gimara Gemirila, I will say these were halachas, right? Halachas l'moshe misinai. Halachas l'moshe misinai. Yechazkel just came along and stated it explicitly in a pasuk. But for example, we had halacha l'moshe misinai that a kohen who was uncircumcised is unable to serve in the base of mitosh. Yechazkel said it. Same idea. Hachanami gimara gamila va'asi yechazkel va'asmocha akra. I will say same idea. We always had a tradition. We always, we always had Allah Moshe Misinai that what? That you have to put some type of marker on top of a grave. Yechezkel was just the one who did what? He came along and he said it in a pasuk. But we, we always knew it. We always knew it. So therefore, again, the first of our Hashem and Pazi says, again, it's really going to be a beautiful Gemara ahead of us now. Hashem and Pazi says, we're just trying to figure out what's the makar What's the source for placing a marker on top of a grave? So the first approach is Yechezkel. But it turns out it's not really Yechezkel. What is it? What is it? It's a tradition already from Moshe Rabbeinu. But ultimately, Yechezkel was the first one who explicitly articulated it. Good. Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo says from a different place. Tame Tame Yikra. So this is incredible. Where is this from? Tame Tame Yikra. This is by the Mitzora. Person has Saras. So the Pasik says, right, Vatsara, Sheboha Nega, Begotovia Purumim, he has to tear his clothing, Varoshia Puro, he has to allow his hair to grow, right, Vasafam Yata, Vitame, Tame Yikra. He calls out, Tame, Tame. So what does that mean, Rabosai? Tuma, Korolo, Vomeres, Lo Puro. Shabosai, now why does the Mitsora say, Tame, Tame? So that people stay away from him. So what do you see from here? You see from there, when you have, whenever you have something that is Tame, you have an obligation to call out, so to speak, to the general public and warn them to stay away. To stay away. And therefore, I will say again, same idea. We place the marker over the grave. 
That's the way we tell the general public to see Rabbi Say. I just want to point out, remember, the issue over here that we're concerned about, Rabbi Say, is what? Somebody carrying truma. Right, Rabbi Say, so imagine, you're just a nice coin minding your own business. Carrying your truma, you stumble upon a grave, now you're Tameh, and you've made truma Tameh. What do you do with truma Tameh? You burn it. But we don't want to do that. So Rabbi Say, so again, that's really that I'm in other words, if I'm just a regular Yisrael, Regular Yisrael, right? I'm just a regular Yisrael, and I become Tomei. The stakes really aren't all that high. It's fine. I mean, it's, 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 I have to become Tar, and before I go to the base, I this, but it's not a big deal. This really has ramifications much more for Kohanim. That's all I care for. Because Rabbi Abba says, the same way that the Mitzorah has an obligation to say, Tomei, Tomei, that people stay away, we have an obligation to make the general public stay away from sources of Tumor. Therefore, we mark the grave. Is that what this pastor comes to teach us? Or is incredible? So, no, no, no. The Tamei Tamei Yikra comes to teach me something else. Comes to teach me. The Tamei 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 Yikra. What does it mean that the Mitzorah calls out Tamei Tamei? Tzarech lahodia tzara l'rabim. say, when a person is suffering, it is important that he make his suffering known to other individuals. V'rabim mevakshim alav rachamim. So that other people can dive in for him. will say, you know, this is a very interesting concept that very often, many of us, may be very private people, right? And as a certain sense of privacy, when you're going through something, you do not want to telegraph that out to the general public. But yet there's this idea that if other people know about what it is that I'm struggling with, they can daven for me. And that ability for other people to daven for me is such a powerful thing. So there's this incredible tension. On one hand, very often a natural desire for privacy, but on the other hand, a need to share it, at least in some way. We'll say not to share for the sake of sharing, but to share for the sake that other people could for me. And if I have those other tilos working on my behalf, there's no telling what that could do for me. So the Gemara says, that's what Tamei Tamei Yikra teaches me. If that's, like said, if that's all it was teaching me was that I should tell other people about my suffering and I for me, it just could have said Vitame. Now the Gemara says, My Vitame Tamei, Shamas Minatarti. Must listen to this. It could have just said Vitame Yikra. The fact that it says Vitame Tamei Yikra teaches me what? Both lessons. Lesson number one, lesson number one, that the Mitzorah has to warn people that he's Tamei. Therefore, they will stay away. And from there, we learn that we have to warn the general public about sources of Tumah. And Halacha number two, it teaches me that when a person is undergoing difficult times, share it. Share it with others. You don't have to broadcast it to the world, but share it with others so that at least some others have the ability to daven on your behalf. Beautiful. Abai says, we learned this Halacha from a different source. Abai says, do you know why you have to go ahead and mark graves? Don't place a stumbling block in front of the general public, right? Well, say in other words, if you don't mark the grave, then what's going to happen? A person is literally, literally going to stumble across it. They're going to become Tameh if they're holding other consecrated or consecrated items. Those items will become Tameh as well, and that's problematic. Good. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Papa uh, Amar, Solu, 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 panu derech. Clear away, clear away, 
make room in the derech, make room on the road. So uh, pave the way, pave the way, make room on the road. So it's the same idea. They're just, they're just bringing different psukim that seem to highlight this idea, right? So pave the way, clear the road from any obstacles. Rav Chinina, so the Gemara says, Rav Chinina Amar, Harimu Ami. It means remove any obstacles from the pathway of my people. Rabbi Yoshobrei, Rav Idi Amar, Vod, Rav says, it's beautiful. Vodata Lahemes HaDerech Asher Yel You will show the people, or you will make known to the people, the derech, that they should walk on it. Okay? So we'll say, again, everybody's agreeing. The idea is that you have to go ahead and mark the grave so that people know where the tuma is. They're just all learning it from different sources. Marzutra Amar Tumasam. You shall make the people vigilant about their tumor. Ashi Amar Ushmartemes Mishmarti Asu Mishmeres Mishmarti. Right? Literally, again, you will guard my watches, make a Mishmeres. Go ahead and be, be vigilant over Mishmarti. Ravina, Ravina, both said, this is a magnificent Russia. Ravina says, both say, now Ravina is quoting the Pasuk. Ravina is quoting the Pasuk, we read to the Pasuk in its entirety. Kimara is quoting from Tehillim, Zoveach Todi Chabdinani, he who offers a Toda, a carbon Toda, right, will, will give me honor. Visam Derech Arena Biyesha Elokim. And I will say, Visam Derech, which literally means he who places a road, who places a road, Arena Biyesha Elokim. I will allow him to see the salvation of God. And I both say, now watch this. Now just to understand, before we get into the beautiful drasha, the reason the Gemara is bringing this up is why? Because the Gemara is actually visam derech, he who makes a clear road. So again, once again, the Gemara says, what does it mean to make a clear road? What does it mean to make a clear road? How do you make a clear road? Mark graves. Mark graves. That way people know where they can walk and where they can't walk. But I both say, watch this drasha. Amir Shobin Levi, kal hasam, or really kal hasham, Archosav, Zoche, Virabi, Shuasa, Shalakalish Parahu. Whoever measures his pathways or weighs his pathways really means Shama will say is Lashon of Shuma, evaluate. Right? Whoever weighs his different pathways in life will be privileged to go ahead and see the salvation of God. Shana Amar, Visam Derech, Atikri Visam, Ella Visham. Don't read it as the sum derech, place a path, rather read it as the sham, weigh the path. Weigh the path. Person who weighs his path will see the salvation of God. Now, Bose, what does it mean to weigh your path? Bose, take a look at Rashi. This is incredible. Rashi says, the sham derech, sha'osin simplified. Arenabia shalokim, ze hasham archosav. Now, Bose, this refers to a person who weighs his path. Right, not ways, W-A-Z-E. Right, ways, right? Ways, ways the path. Right? Literally ways which derech to take, Rabbi Osai. Listen to this. Hamachashet hefsed mitzvah keneget schara uschar avera keneget hefseda. Rabbi Osai is absolutely beautiful. Sham derech, Rabbi Osai. So the Pasuk is sham derech, place a path. The drush of the Gemara is sham derech, weigh your path. Weigh your path. Rabbi Osai, what does it mean to weigh your path in life? He'll say, the Gemara is saying, you know what the secret to successful living is? One phrase, cost-benefit analysis. See what I was saying? Everything in life has a cost-benefit analysis. Because every single decision I make has a cost and has a benefit. And life is all about weighing the cost and the benefit. 
So that person chooses to do a mitzvah. Abosa, let's be honest. When you do a mitzvah, there's often a cost, right? What's the cost? Well, there could be literally a financial cost. There's a time cost. There's a resources cost. There's a, there's a tircha cost. There's a whole bunch of stuff. But there's also a benefit. There's also a benefit. A person commits an Avera. There's ridiculous benefit with Avera. So also, let's be honest. You know, it's too early and too icy to not be, not be honest, right? And let's say, there's so much great benefit with Avera. Averas are great. Let's be honest, right? Averas are so wonderful. They're so enjoyable. They're so fantastic. They give me so much handa, so much pleasure. There's a lot of benefit in the world of sin. There's also an incredible amount of cost. So it's an incredible amount of cost. So I see too often in life, what we do is, when we engage in activity, we only look at one side of the analysis. We only look at either the benefit or the cost. Rarely do we look at both. And the truth is, informed living requires me to do a complete cost-benefit analysis. So say, can you imagine if we actually lived it this way? If before I did something, I ran the numbers, right? I did the analysis. Yeah, the Avera is geschmack. It's great. It's so fantastic. It's so pleasurable. It's so delicious. It's so wonderful. But at the end of the day, as much benefit as it provides me, there's so much sunk cost, right? There's so much that I lose. I benefit, but I lose so much more. The mitzvah, it's so difficult. It's so exhausting. It's so overwhelming. It's so onerous. It's true. It might be true on all of those accounts. But look how much I benefit. Says the Gemara, something amazing. That Visham derech, he who lives life with the Shuma, with a constant evaluation of his decisions, he who lives life with a constant evaluation and weighing of the pathway he's going to take, I will say, what's the result of such a lifestyle? Arena b'yesha elokim will see the salvation of God. I will say, it doesn't mean life is going to be easy when you do the cost-benefit analysis. What it does mean, what it does mean is that you're going to live a type of salvational life because you are engaged in the process of proper decision-making. You know what I will say? Our greatest problem in life is not sin. Our greatest problem in life is that we don't think enough before we act. That we don't engage in proper evaluative decision-making, that I don't think things through to their proper conclusion, that I live based on impulse, I live based on desire, and I don't think the entire analysis through. Hashem or Hosev, if I'm only, if I would only be thought of, thought out enough to really weigh everything, you will see the salvation of God. I will say an entire shas is worth it for this Gemara. This is the secret. Everyone wants to know the secret, the secret, the secret, right? Barnes & Noble, right? Amazon filled with shelves and shelves of books about how to get happy in life, how to be successful in life. It could save you thousands of dollars. Moe Cotton, Hayamud Aleph, five lines up from the bottom. This is it, Rebosai. This is the secret to successful living. But finding the secret is not the hard part. Implementing it is the challenge. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, sorry, three lines are from the bottom. So the Gemara says, This Gemara tells a story. Rabbi Huda had a Talmud. This Talmud in Shir always was the guy who always asked the questions, right? Always asked the questions. 
We, we snuffed that out a long time ago, right? Do you want to say, Baruch Hashem, that check, done, done with that. I want to say, so right, there was that Talmud, they eat themselves else right now. I just want to say, so there was that Talmud, right, to always ask the questions, every single shear, every single shear, listen to this, but on Shabbos of the Regal, right, so I will say during the Regalim, Shabbos of the Regalim, so they used to have large shiurim, this Talmud did not ask, he didn't ask his questions, so I'm a days. So Rabbi Yana said about this guy, Karilei Bisham or Bisham Derech Arena Beyeshalukim. So Rabbi says, Rabbi Yana complimented him. He said, you know what? He's a nudnik. He's a nudnik all of the time. But at least he knows when not to ask the questions, right? When there's a large public shear, he was smart enough to know now is not the time to ask. Incredible. Ten Rabbon or an in mit signing the lock, his eyes will not make swallow, at some kiss or a log, double shame on the time, but OL. So let's listen to this. Now, Rabbi says, so now we've established. All of these different sources, right, for the concept, for the rule of going ahead and placing a marker over a grave. I said, now, now we've done that. Now we've done that. So I will say, so now based on this, the Gemara says, now, but what do you have to make a marker on? So the Gemara says, you don't have to make a marker on a kizayis from a corpse or not on a bone that is the size of a barley fragment, right, of a grain fragment. Nor on any piece of a corpse. That's not metame, but ohel. Most remember again, tumas ohel means when something that you're under the same roof with has the ability to convey tumas mace. Ava metzainin ala shidra. But I will say if there is an intact spinal column, you have to go ahead and make a marker over that. Va'ala gulgoles or on a skull. Va'al rov binyan va'al rov minyan hames. Or I will say if you have the majority of the skeleton intact, or even if you have the majority of the skeleton, but the majority of the bones. You have to go ahead and make a marker on that. Then with signing alavados, let's listen to this. It's actually very interesting. You do not have to go ahead and make a marker on a grave that everyone knows about. Look at Rashi. And we sign alavados. How will the bar look the amad the is beitum of ados? No, but tell to us all times. Well, this is very interesting. Allah, if everyone knows that there's a grave, everyone everyone knows. Even if there's no particular marker there. There's no obligation to mark the site. Rabbi said, remember again, marking the site only becomes obligatory when, when there's a concern that people don't know. But if everyone knows, no obligation for a marker. But Rabbi said, you do have to make a marker on a suffix, right? On a situation where we're not sure. So the Gemara of Elohim and Sveikos, here are situations of Sveikos. Sichos, so Rabbi said, we're going to see these are areas where there is a tree canopy. Now, let's remember again, having a potential grave under a tree canopy is dangerous. Why? Because the canopy serves as what? As ohel, which then disperses the tuma everywhere under the canopy. So, I will say, so remember again, which would mean, normally, I will say, let's say you have an open grave. So, that loch is not really supposed to be within Dalit Amos of a grave. But as long as you're outside of Dalit Amos, that's fine. But if, the can- but if the grave is under a tree canopy, right, and let's say that canopy spans uh, 50 Amos, Anywhere under that canopy, you become Tomei. So, pros, so I'll say pros we're going to see are also pieces of a stone wall where you have stones which protrude. So, those protrusions can also serve as an ohel or besapras. So, also we've seen besapras a number of times throughout our journey in Shas. Besapras is a field in which there was a grave, but the grave was plowed over. Now, the concern of Osai is what? That there are bone fragments everywhere in the field. Okay, so I'll say, so let's analyze. So I'll say, listen to this case. We do not go ahead and make a tzion in a makom tumah 
in order not to go ahead and be mafsid taras. Now, we'll say now, what does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Bein ma'amidin siyon ala tuma shola hafsid taras, shima tuma ma'amish tachas hatsiyon, eno magish atshabal hatsiyon pit om, v'yitamu ataras shariya tuma tachas hatsiyon, ala ozin hatsiyon samachu tuma, b'rachosh it's very interesting. So listen to this. When you make a marker over, over a grave, Rabbi the Yimara says, you don't make the marker only directly over the Tumah, but rather what you do is you make the marker, you extend it a little bit in the surrounding area as well. Why, what's the concern? See, I was saying, people are often not cognizant of things until when? Until when? Until they're right on top of it. The problem is if the Tzion, if the marker is too exact, then by the time the person realizes that they're by a marker, they're already on top of the marker or right by the marker. And if the marker mamish is right, because I remember again, the chap with the marker is, you know, the interesting about Tumas Ohel, even if you're not standing on a grave, but if you're leaning over a grave, that's also, by Tumah is Olo Bokas, Tumah goes up, you can become Tameh. See what the Gemara says is, when you make a marker, extend it off the grave a little bit, right? We don't put it directly over, we extend it out a little bit, that way a person will have warning before he, before he gets on top of the Tumah, right? listen to this. But you can't extend the marker too much. Right? Because we'll say if you extend the marker too much, then what happens? See, I said, wherever the marker is, is obviously an area where you're not going to be planting. Right? So we'll say, I just want to point something out. We're used to thinking about graves as being where? Where? In a cemetery. Obviously, I will say this whole discussion is about graves that are not in cemeteries. So, right, so you would go out and you'd have a grave somewhere, but you'd want to plant in the surrounding area. So the Gemara says, very interesting. on one hand, you have to make the marker a little bit bigger than the grave itself, but you don't want to make it too big, because then what ends up happening? You end up losing out on farming land. And I both say, we don't want to go out and be mafsid, the land of Eretz Yisrael. I both say, by the way, how beautiful to go out and learn this Gemara to Bishvat. Like to Bishvat, when ultimately again the land of Eretz Yisrael once again is beginning to come back to life. The sap is going through the trees, the farming, the agricultural process, the shkedia parachat, right? The almond tree, the almond tree is blossoming. The land is getting ready to be plowed again. And I will say, what happens? The Gemara says, don't make the tzion, don't make the marker too big, because if you make it too big, you'll end up losing out on vital and integral agricultural farming area. Incredible. If all you have is a kizais of a corpse, there is no obligation to put a marker on top of that. Why not? Because we assume that means that ultimately, again, a kizais from the mace does not convey to us. Oh, well, is that true? But we learned, these are things which convey to us. Oh, hell, kizais mina Okay. Well, so that's pretty explicit, right? The kizayis benames, right? The kizayis of a corpse does convey to us, oh hell. If that's the case, then what? You should have to put a marker on top of it. So why are we not putting a marker on top of that? What's the case of Osai? If we have an exact kizayis. An exact kizayis. Now, Osai, now what's going to happen? What's going to happen if you have an exact kizayis of a mace? Sof, sof. Mikhsar Khasar. So we'll say one thing I know for sure, which is if you have an exact kazayas right now, what's gonna happen? Wait a little bit, what's gonna happen? You have less than a kazayas, it's gonna decompose. And when you have less than a kazayas, so we'll say that does not convey to us oh hell. Therefore, we don't want to put a seal on top of it. So we'll say, we'll say, so now watch, play this out. 
See if you have exactly a kezayis. Does it convey to Masoel? Does it convey to Masoel? Yes. yes. Right? So therefore, what should you do? Really, ideally, what should you do? Put a marker on top of it. The problem is, once that marker is there, what happens? It's there. It's there. So let's, let's play this out. Aaron Akoin is walking with his truma. He accidentally walks on top of the marker. He assumes that what? Now what's happened? What's happened? He's Tameh. The truma that he's holding is Tameh as well. He has to burn it. Now, said, now the truth is, if it was exactly a kezayis, chances are, give it a couple of days, it's less than a kezayis. If there's a permanent marker there, that means the Olam Vod, people are going to be burning truma unnecessarily. So look what the Gemara says. Mutav yisrafu alav truma v'kachim l'fisha v'al yisrafu alav li'olam. Bose, such a profound Gemara. We would rather take the risk of a person accidentally coming in contact with that kezayis minameis, right? And, and for a little bit of time, accidentally coming in contact with it, becoming tummy and burning truma, than to set up a marker on top of that, in which case people are burning truma forever, even though what? Even though what? There's less than a kezayis there. Ve'ilu and asvekas. So what are the asvekas? Kezayis, we have to stop with this. Ve'ilu and asvekas, sichos upros. So we'll say sichos Ilan hamesach ala aret. Sichos means a tree canopy. Pros avanim pros hayotzels min ageder. That refers ultimately again to stones that extend from a wall and serve as a canopy. Beisapras kedistan abos. What's beisapras? We'll just read this and we'll stop. Hachorish es hakever. If one plowed a field in which there was a grave, hare who ose beisapras. Ultimately, again, it makes a base of pras. The kamu ose, I will say, how large is the base of pras? Mulomana, the amount of area that it takes to plow, mea ama. Ultimately, again, 100 ama. So we'll stop over here. We'll pick up a merit session with base of pras tomorrow. Shkoyach.